You're listening to the Manufacturing Ignition podcast. Keep updated with the latest news, recruitment advice, and hot topics within the UK manufacturing industry. Sponsored by Bonfire Recruitment, helping manufacturing leaders across the UK to attract the best talent for their manufacturing company. Ignite your business or career today by visiting www.bonfirerecruitment.com. Here's your hosts, Terry Mallin and Scott Buchanan. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Manufacturing Ignition podcast, hosted by myself, Terry Mallon, and my co-host, Scott Buchanan. Hi, Terry. How you doing? Hey, Scott. How are you? It's uh, okay. I've I've just uh, just about dried off my wet feet from earlier. Have you you seen much of, of 3D World today? Have you been out at all? No, I mean it's been it's been absolutely bucking it down for the last couple of days. I was actually I took um, the dog a walk yesterday down uh, down the park quite late on, and you should have seen the size of the river. It was roaring. I've never seen the size of it. So there's obviously been a lot of rain up in the hills as well. Aye, well your challenge, of course, um, is keeping that that pitch of yours away from the, the water, as you know. But um, no. Baxter and I were up a hill um, earlier on, and uh, yeah, let's just say that uh, when when uh, product manufacturers say that they've got trainers that are waterproof, I think they really want to check that actually they are waterproof because they're going to have a, a customer service issue tomorrow morning. I think it's fair to say because my feet were soaking. Probably about, about the amount of rambling that you do, Scott. <laughs> Wear and tear, as they say. Rambling on, on the telephone as well, I've heard. Let's see your cheek. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone, uh, for everyone tuning in for the first time, both Scott and myself have been working in the manufacturing recruitment sector for over 15 years combined. And that's all been within management or technical recruitment. And over the past couple of years, we've been growing our own business, Bonfire Recruitment, to be a leader in recruiting within manufacturing across the UK. We started this podcast, what, five episodes ago now, Scott? This is officially Ignition Podcast number five. Wow, okay. And we did it to give completely impartial view on the latest manufacturing sector news, discuss specific hot topics and give a really good insight into recruitment and people retainment. You know, and I feel as if over the last four podcasts, we've done that okay, there's room for improvement, but, uh, you know, any advice, any tips would be great to hear from listeners. And if you can email in, it's uh, Terry at bonfirerecruitment.com and Scott at bonfirerecruitment.com. Um, any yeah. advice would be great. We want to make this as engaging as possible. And and we seem to be doing that in terms, you know, certainly the, the feedback is coming thick and fast. <laughs> certainly yes, in my anyway. Well. Excuse me, so, which I was yeah. shocked at. I thought I was going to be getting a, a bit of a slating, but I've been, it's been all right, unless people have just been a wee bit uh, holding back as uh, until, until we get maybe into episode 10. <laughs> Absolutely not. So all, all feedback is good, just like you know, as uh, as we do as part of our roles. You know, it's important that, that everyone knows what, what's going on. So yeah. So let's get started. So this week we are going to be covering the latest news. This week, a hot topic on the cost of dairy products affecting food manufacturing companies. That's not a new topic, but I think it's good to revisit that. Recruitment minutes on the importance of knowing your market to recruit the best people for your business. So Scott, over to yourself. What's the latest news this week? Well, Terry, um, I think um, you, you were expecting me to talk about the, the, the Chancellor of the Exchequer today and, 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 and break down what, what's been happening there. But uh, I think um, that, that's probably one for a... a, you, a are you throwing in a curveball? The... Scott, are you throwing <laughs> in a curveball here? 
<laughs> no, I think well, budgets today, Terry. That that's what's happening in the news, and it's it's hitting obviously manufacturing, and it's it's hitting a number of other ideas. But I did, I, I was going to tap into that today, but actually, the, the the speech that went on went on for way too long, and uh, I think there's a lot of learning curves to come out of that. But um, from a manufacturing standpoint, within November, the, the the Confederation of British Industry has indicated that actually that uh, the UK manufacturing output growth has accelerated in the three months to November. And apparently orders are at their strongest point for nearly 30 years. Wow. <laughs> Which is, uh, yeah, I mean, um, I think there's a there's a number of factors behind all this, but um, I think there's the, the weaker pound and, and global growth bolsters demand for manufactured goods. So so things are doing pretty well at the moment. It, it would appear, I know you, you've, you've been working with some, some food clients recently, and they, they seem to be doing pretty well in, in conjunction with drinking chemical companies seem to be pretty buoyant at the moment. So good times. Okay, and I'm guessing, well, I'm not really guessing, I'm looking at the internet, to be honest. Obviously, expert order books are helped by the fall in the value of sterling, which we all know anyway. And that's been since uh, the EU referendum in June 2016. So that's helped export order books. And with those strong order books, it's resulted in um, higher factory outputs. If there's more orders, you know, higher factory outputs, which is only going to be a good thing for manufacturing. And I know, adding on to food, drinks and chemical, I know electronics and transport's pretty busy at the minute. I know I, as well. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've, had a, I've had a number of phone calls over the last month from potential new clients who are looking for us to recruit within those sectors. So there seems to be a bit of growth there within yeah, transport and electronics. One of the surprising things, and we've touched on it and we've tried, I mean, we've touched on it because it is important to manufacturing, but we're, we're really not trying to be, we're, we're trying to be apolitical and avoid that those arguments because there's plenty of other people that are closer to that than we yeah. ever will be, hopefully. But but yeah. one of the things that I think is hitting manufacturing is the uncertainty because of Brexit. But apparently, you know, I have a positive balance of 13% of output growth in the, in the next three months is expected as well. And, and actually, for the next three months as well, twenty-seven percent of firms are predicting a rise in volumes. You know, as you know, for, for the foreseeable for the next three months. So that's considering what's going on, and you know, certainly in the UK versus the, the European piece. You know, that that's pretty not not bad statistics. And, and I guess most, uh, hopefully, the majority of UK manufacturers are seeing that. And um, yeah, good good news. Yeah. Yeah, and, and 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 putting on the side as well, you know, it's all good news. However, I know a lot of companies are still facing a lot of price pressures. You know, the cost of importing fuel or raw materials, whatever that might be. And specifically, that's what we're going to go over on the hot topic as well with regards to the dairy price and how that's affecting yeah. the food manufacturing industry. So, yeah, a lot of positives. But, yeah, there's still a lot of uh, pressures uh, from external uh, areas that are, that are affecting that as well. So it could be better oh. as well. Well, I think, you, you look, there's always room for improvement. And um, I think if, if you listen to when, whenever things are a little bit tighter, you know, they're, they're, those who shout the loudest, you know, apparently mean that, that, that it's actually really, really bad. But actually, you know, there's no, I haven't heard too much positivity coming through the news at the moment saying that, you know, the UK manufacturing sector is doing okay. You know, and those statistics are suggesting that they're doing more than okay. So um, it's good to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah, good. Uh, next piece of news. 
Well, the founder and CEO of uh, an Edinburgh-based um, company called Vert Rotors has been named in a prestigious list recognising the UK's top 100 most inspiring individuals, Terry, in the manufacturing sector. Uh, right, I was is surprised. Called, is the person's um, name is Vert Rotors? Um, I the think the, the, that's the company. Um, I know you were expecting your name to be there. <laughs> All right, but the, <laughs> but the guy's called... Uh, one day, one day. <laughs> <laughs> Plenty of room for improvement. Um, uh, but still, the, still got to conquer the universe first. <laughs> <laughs> if only there was enough time. The, 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 the gent that's done it is a chap called Ole Dimitris. Apologies if I'm not saying his name correctly, but um, he's the inventor of the year in 2017 um, in the Scottish Awards, and he's invented the world's smallest low vibration compressor which um, is used for a, a range of applications including space and actually t- you taking over the universe uh, terrestrial applications as well so uh, yeah interesting I might get in touch with you and see what, see what the plot so yeah so I'm looking at it online Scott now just as you're saying it so I can see they've introduced a product called the Vert Point Eight, and the, the Vert Point Eight Zero compressors to the market, as well as installing the UK's first ultra-precision CNC milling machinery from DMG Mori uh, okay. for the manufacture yep. of its micro-compressors. That's quite interesting. And it says here as well, since the company was founded, it was founded in 2013, Vert's proprietary conical compressor design has reinvented a key component of mass manufacturing by bringing technological advancement not witnessed in the compressor industry for more than 30 years. There you go. Yeah, and look, that 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 type of, I mean, compressors are quite a unique product and actually necessary product in, in a lot of industrial applications. I think they've patented a conical rotary compressor technology, um, right. which operates more efficiently than the traditional um, twin screw compressor, which you're probably aware of. I believe that, well, we certainly believe that their um, technology is lighter and can deliver a 200% higher pressure than other compressors. So um, some of the big boys, I'm sure, will be interested to learn more about that. And, um, and I, prob- you- I, prob- I probably wouldn't be surprised if it, if it actually uh, uses less energy to do that as well. I would think so. Do you know, do you know where it, they've certainly targeted the product for? Do you know where they're, they're, they're angling it at? At the moment, um, it's within um, space world, as I call it, but, you know, the space. Yeah, for satellite applications and, and, and businesses and the supply chain into that. And, you know, that that's a whole, that's maybe another topic for another day. But um, apparently, in, certainly in Scotland, um, there's 7,000 jobs associated with that, which is incredible. Is that right? Well, well you, you know what it says, Scott. Sometimes you are tuned to the moon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only as good as I'm only as good as my candidates, my clients, and the the, the person that I'm working with. <laughs> <laughs> so, and and I know that kind of ties quite nicely. And I've seen the the manufacturers top 100 2017 have been revealed. Yeah, there's um, yeah. Th- th- this is more to do with individuals within the business rather than the businesses themselves. But that, I believe, the gent um, Ollie, he was part of that, and um, there's kind of a mixed bag of of individuals that are in there. But um, the one that that seemed to have made the list, you know, there's a lady Elizabeth Bartlett who's worked on a fatigue and damage tolerance 
engineering type role for Airbus and commercial aircraft, which is incredible. You know, there's a lot of technical advances there. I'm just, so I'm just trying to sc- um, scan do here. Know, do, do you want to know what, Scott? I did notice one name, and it was a name we mentioned on this podcast when it was the Food Manufacturing Excellence Awards. And it was the okay. and it was a person that won the Young Talent of the Year, which is a which is a person called Cody Gledhill, who is a level three engineering apprentice who works for Coca Cola. And actually, uh, I just I noticed that name again. So obviously, this person must be doing really good things. So well done, uh, you know that's uh, Young Talent of the Year, and they're also also up for the manufacturer top a uh, hundred candidates. You know, so no, it's yeah, interesting. Yeah, from from I guess black book, put it in the black book, Scott. Put it in the black yeah, book for a couple of years' time. Let's, <laughs> let, let's, uh, let's keep an eye on, on, on Cody, definitely, and um, better, um, add Ollie to that list. No, but I think certainly from a, an investment in R&D in the UK, you know, you know I'm pretty passionate about that, and I think that um, having good ideas and, and the, the, the investment creating the products, you know, it's 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 brilliant because there's been times where that's not been there, and uh, it's good to see so such a significant and. It's not just the one sector as well. Do you know that way? It's, yeah, exactly. Okay, so moving on to the bits and bobs that I've noticed as well. So Anova has announced the top 10 global food and drink trends expected for 2018. So you can find this by searching Anova top 10 global food and drinks trends 2018. I know they were doing a webinar today, which is the 21st of November. So I'm sure you can listen back to that if you if you go into their website or go into Foodman Jobs or something like that, you'll be able to get that and you can listen back. But I'll go through the top five. So top five trends are looking at mindful choices. So consumers being far more cautious of making responsible food choices. Uh, and, and you, you know, Number two is lighter enjoyment, lighter alcohol, sweetness, flavour, texture, or portion size as they eat more healthily, okay? And I can see that mm-hmm. because I know my, my wife has actually stopped uh, eating any added sugar products for the past 22 days for the whole of November. And I says to her, are you feeling any better? And she says, I'm feeling a bit better, but not as expected, you know. But actually, you know, I, I think, you know, a lot more people are focused and, and aware of what's in their food. So, so, so that's a big one there. Number three, positively processed. So there's an interest in manufacturers reviving traditional processes. So that could be fermented foods and cold brew like tea and coffee as well. Mm-hmm. Number four, going full circle. So that's consumers expect companies and brands to be more resource smart as part of a circular economy. Okay. And then mm-hmm. finally, but not least, which will interest yourself, Scott, is beyond the coffee house. So tea to reinvent itself to compete with coffee amongst millennials and Generation Z consumers. There you go. Yeah, there's a, there's plenty of, of people now that, um, I don't know if you've seen it in the shelf, but I remember I was looking, I went through a detox, it, it was a long time ago, and I was looking for green tea. And one of the things that most people don't appreciate with green tea, um, most people think it's maybe a bit healthier, but green tea itself does still have caffeine in it. And one of the things I was trying to get to the bottom of was, you know, trying to find a caffeine-less tea um, with not much else in it. And um, there was a trial product in that that particular brand. It was Tetley, I think it was, Tetley Green Tea. And then it was um, it was a Red Bush or, or words to that effect tea as well. I was standing in my favourite supermarket yesterday, um, and there was a whole section 
um, of that that red stuff that seems to be very popular now. So there's definitely room for that. And to be fair, there wasn't much room or selection rather of the coffee beans that I tend to go for either. So pretty disappointing from my side. We'll see see it like in a wee secret. I didn't actually know. I didn't know until about two months ago that maybe three months ago that tea had caffeine in it. Tea has more caffeine in it than coffee. That's what I've learned. I've learned. I think it was maybe you that told me that actually when I'm thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> I, once, I was once in a, a Sri Lankan tea factory and within there uh, they showed me the process and I, I was in my element and um you know the the actual difference between a green tea and a you know what, what's the other side that an oxidated tea is actually the oxidated process one gets to see the air and the light and the other doesn't <laughs> and out, mm. out comes um, the, the world's tea so there wow. you go okay that, that process that process yeah, well, that particular uh, tea grower or factory um, had a Scottish sign at the door in the middle of the uh, Sri Lanka. Bizarre. All right. All right. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Pub quiz knowledge there. I like it. I like it. Um, and then the final piece of news from me, Pucker Pies in Leicestershire. Uh, they currently employ 350 people at the minute. They're building a new factory, creating 150 jobs, and they're expecting to increase their turnover from 25 million to 47 million. And tying in with the coffee and teas, uh, a company called Hot Pack Packaging, who make all your hot cups, see your cups with your lids on it, for teas and coffees. They're creating 250 new jobs in North Wales due to moving their European HQ to Wrexham. So that's really quite interesting as well. So that's you know, two companies. I, I saw that during the week, actually. And um, do you know that that's actually, it's a Dubai firm. Did you appreciate that? Uh, is that right? Actually, man, yeah, they've managed to get money from the Development Bank of Wales as well, which is the first loan in North Wales to become, um, from the Welsh government, it's 100 million of the Wales. Welsh Flexible Investment Fund. I think they must have been competing, I guess, on a European scale. Um, yeah. I, I heard Slovakia um, was one of the um, the other options that they were looking at. But good, good bit of work, I'm sure, for everyone involved to to tempt them to the UK and to to sunny Wales. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, so that, that was good. Then so that's that's the latest news this week. Not let's like move you to on. Talk about pies late enough, eh? Uh, well, what, what is it when we're talking about pies? We were talking about Bell's pies like a couple of weeks ago as well. That, that was podcast one. Aye, that, that was podcast, podcast one. one. We, we should maybe do this Greg's, after you've had We spoke about Greg's as well. I think we need to get away from the sort of pie thing. I think we're getting a bit of an image here. Or, or maybe do it with your lunchtime or dinner time. That's true. That's true. <laughs> right, okay. So moving on to the this week's hot topic. And as I, as I said at the start of the show, we're going to go through the cost of dairy products affecting food manufacturing companies. And, and, and this has been, you know, a real eye opener for me as well, because actually you can see how much, how real external forces can, infect, can affect certain businesses um, throughout the UK who rely on a specific type of ingredient or, or whatever. And that could be anyone. That could be someone from the drinks industry, you know, whatever that may be, sugar or something like that, within that sort of Coca-Cola. Um, so it's quite interesting. It makes me, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a certain focus point. So let's talk about dairy products. So food manufacturing sectors which use dairy products such as butter. So you've got different sectors like the bakery industry and the confectioner industry. Companies that make like biscuits or whatever that may be, anything at all, you know, which uses butter. Just to give you an idea, Scott, of the price 
of this, okay? So prices of Wendy from £1,850 per tonne of butter back right. in April 2016. So what's that, 16 uh-huh. months ago, somewhere? And, and in August 2017, it was £6,150 per tonne. <laughs> So it's in the less than what was that? How many months is that? April That's, to April. So yes, you're talking maybe fifty months or something. Yeah, wow. Six. <laughs> and it's went up three times the price. And what? So you you picture someone making biscuits or whatever that might be. And actually, as a consumer, we're going in and buying our biscuits from the shop or shortbread. Right? Let's just say shortbread because that would use a lot of butter, probably. Probably. You're still going in and buying your packet of shortbread out of Tesco or Asda or wherever it may be for a, for a pound, say. You know, mm-hmm. actually, that company making that product is actually their cost of ingredients for the butter has went up three times and it's still a pound. So who's going to take the impact? The, food, the, the manufacturer. The reason for that increase in price is there, been, there has been a reduction in the amount of milk farmers in the UK and in areas. And there was a particular particularly cold spring, which produced poor grazing conditions as well, okay? Uh, So Mm -hmm. I was reading an article last night, and the chairman of the dairy board of the National Farmers Union, a chap called Michael Oakes, reported, many dairy farmers were unfortunately forced to stop milk milk production as a direct result of the economic downturn, right? Mm -hmm. In 2014, so three years ago, Many farmers selling milk were doing that for considerably less than it cost to produce. We all know that. We all remember that in the news, you know. At the start of 2014 in Lancashire, which is a massive area for farming, they had more than 500 registered dairy farmers. And by the end of 2015, so say 24 months on, more than 30 of those uh, registered farmers had stopped production and seized completely operations. Um, so you can see how, you know, there, there's getting less people making the, the product, obviously milk or whatever that might be, butter, etc. I wonder if, you know, there's, as you know, certainly within, there's been a lot of investment within food manufacturing companies for, you know, technical individuals and I guess recipe makers almost, do you know that way? And I wonder if the evolution of, of that has allowed a reduction on you know the usage of you know these these types of ingredients because see, see we'll see if you look at I mean I've just just as you've been talking there I've just googled um, you know profits in milk and you know here's an article from October 2017 and the headline is first milk doubles profits in in full year results reading into it says dairy processor first milk has almost doubled its profits in its financial results for the year ending March 2017 following a transformation of the business. And then yeah, that's got that another supply, one. That's supply and demand, probably. You know, of the well, yeah. milk, they can and, sell it for more. And then the other one that came up was Dairy Crest posting a two point nine million pound profit growth as well. I don't know what year that was. To be fair, it was in fact the article was written in May two thousand seventeen. So I think there's probably a bit of um, evolution, isn't it, of, of you know the bigger company and, and the agreements and maybe passing out maybe this cost increase down. That you know to you know I guess the likes of a, you know the, the own brand supermarkets and so on maybe taking a, taking having to increase their prices and that there's maybe a bit of, of change in the middle piece rather than actually directly being passed on to the consumer maybe 
don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. I, I, and I think, you know, at the end of the day, as I say, it's just there, it's supply and demand. And then flipping this in its head a bit as well, because it was in my head actually a couple of weeks ago, the great British Bake Off. Hi. That's right? hugely popular. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I'll, I'll come back to that in a wee second. However, what you've got is got, you've got a lot of consumers tuning in and watching that on TV and thinking I could be the next <laughs> big cake person, which is fine. Right. Which is a really yeah. good thing. But actually when, you know, then that's putting a wee bit more demand on the butter because he's because you know, me and you'll get and buy butter, but we're buying more and more to bake at home. Then actually overall across the UK it's going to have a it's going to have some sort of impact. So that's also contributing. Because even if, if one pair, right, so say, I don't know, if, if you know, how many people do you know that bake until recent times? I mean, you know, there's probably, you know, I can think of one or two, but say, you know, five people now. If every single person, only one person buys an additional slab of butter every, you know, every month or whatever it is that they cook with, I mean, that's, that's you're right. It's a lot. That's, that's it's, a lot. Up, eh? it's a lot. And, and, and it's not just the UK, the UK. I know we've been focused on the UK, but the EU's seen a steady decline as well. And looking into that, that's been due to some of it's due to oversupply on a global level, mm-hmm. and that's that's with the lifting of the EU production regulations. Uh, have you heard anything around how? Because uh, I guess I mean I, I remember that the again this uh, is ties in with the, the the European piece again, but you know there's an element of funding that the UK gets you know, to the farming community to, to, you know, to support, you know, to support them. And I guess it's not just dairy, it's probably pushing and things, you know, like lambing and, and similar, you know, that's, uh, well. that, that's a whole other, I mean, that's serious, you know, that, that, yeah. that, that cause that's, um, that's a huge market. Yeah. And, and, and I think, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, this has been, this has been known for the, at least, you know, throughout 2017, you know, and manufacturers have been taking the brunt of that cost and, and there's there's only going to be a certain point that that can last but the positive news is there's a there is a positive trend in the right way where i know in october 2017 the cost per ton was 5050 per ton mm-hmm. compared to september of being 6150 per ton so it's down 18% and i know and, and you got to remember Scott we're coming up to obviously christmas manufacturing companies are at their peak they're going to be using a lot of the products making all our nice biscuits and uh, other products for for that christmas period you know so so i and and from my my insight into the industry is that that the the price will hopefully continue to reduce going into the new year and there'll be a bit more stability or more stability than what there currently has been you know we are price. so fingers crossed that it goes in the right way you know, but I think it's a wee bit of a lesson to be learned. And I think you are bang on, Scott, on the new on, on the nose. I didn't even think about this. But why not? With all the healthy eating, etc., there must be no I don't know if there must be, but there could be opportunities for MPD to start yeah. looking at different options. I mean, butter's butter, isn't it? But how do how do you really make a comparison? Well, do you mean, you know? I, I don't have butter in the house, and I, I've never had butter in my house because I use margarine, I guess. Um if I, if I remember to pick it up, you know, that right. way. And I guess it's the idea now where, you know, I like my you know, I like my brew, and I still don't see the point in things like diet iron brew, because the whole point of fine brew is to get some sugar and to have some yeah, good yeah. taste. But actually now, I think, I don't know the stats, but, the, you know, diet iron brew is equally, if not more, you know, popular. I know certainly with diet coke um, is 
probably more popular now than than the the, the full fat stuff. And you know, they, therein lies, a, I guess, a consumer, a visible consumer usage change, doesn't it? Because it's, it's not what we're we're asking for anymore. And it will be the same with butter as well. Must be. Well, I think short-term investment coming from Wall Street would be invest in a dairy cow. Interesting. And what <laughs> what would you call your dairy cow? I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. I've not even thought about it. No, I've thought about a name. I don't even know where I would keep it. But <laughs> it would be a great Ke- investment. I reckon Kevin would like playing with, with let's call her Bessie the cow, out okay. in the back garden. I think we'll put Bessie on the front cover of the podcast this week. <laughs> 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 right, okay. Anyway, enough, enough like chat. We're digressing here. We're digressing. So, Scott, yeah. so that was a good hot topic. That was really interesting. I think it resonates in the basis of it doesn't matter how efficient, how much you're improving your manufacturing organization as a business leader, how much you're in the forefront uh, of what you're doing, but actually external forces can have a major impact. As everybody knows, but it could be down to cost the ingredients where people think it's such a small thing, but the reality is it, it's more than that. And just sort of just to finish off on that point, I guess tying on with what, what you were what we were kind of discussing at the end of last week around, you know, making sure you've got the right talent to deal with that. Because at the end of the day, if if we know that the price of butter, you know, some, you know, those prices and the the the, the rise there is significant, that's gonna have a massive impact on a given business. Now, you know, there's certain things, you know, in terms of if you look at, I don't know, um, utility companies who who hedge their, you know, their investment in what the, you know, what power they're going to commit to, do you know that way and and buy it at a given price before it before it's actually, you know, coming in. There's probably an element of, of that that goes on, and, and you'll be closer to it than I am with the food piece. But yep. you know, certainly trying to attract the the, the 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 key people that are good at that. You know, that must be an asset to any business. Surely. Of course it is. Of course it is. And I think that brings us on nicely to our recruitment minute, which is that you know what I want to do is have the last the last podcast we've been having a discussion about problems and solutions. But let's talk about actually the importance of knowing your market to recruit the best people for your business. How you know the best MPD people out there for your company or the best operator that might be. I think that's a that'll be a good topic for us. What do you think, Scott? Yeah, it's, 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 sounds sounds like a good idea. Are you um, just so you know your, your your microphone, Terry? It looks as though you're kind of coming and going from your mic. Are, are you uh, are you doing your exercises again? <laughs> do you want to know what? Uh, I've got Kevin sniffing about because he stole a cellar tape roll and he had it in his mouth. I got it out and he's sniffing about my desk, so hence the go to get him. So, uh, so Scott, so obviously moving on to the, the recruitment minute. So I think the big question that I have for anyone who hires people within teams or within the business or internal recruitment or HR, anyone at all, do you know the size of the manufacturing market within the UK? And that might, that might be manufacturing as a whole. It might be within your specific sector. Do you know how many people are employed within the bakery industry in the northwest England? Do you know how much is employed in the southeast of England, etc.? And 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 there's a there's a there's a there's a good reason why why it's worthwhile to know these numbers. And Scott, it's got. Can you give us a wee bit of insight of how you've found mapping out the market and getting a real insight into the opportunity there? 
Yeah, well, I remember you and I talking about this, what, a year or so ago? And one one of the things I am impressed with is actually the, it's it's actually, I I mean, what, what have I done? I've done, what, 11 years or so um, doing this type of role in my career so far. <laughs> Loving every minute of it. And um, one of the things you, you, you try and give a client is to, to make sure that you're giving them the, the best options of the candidate base that you've got access to. And, and, and what you tend to believe is that the more the more of a network you've got and the, the, you know, the bigger, the more tools you've got to attract a candidate, the, the, the better chance you've got of giving, you know, you, you've been true to your word. Um, and one of the conversations that you and I had about a year ago was actually your insight on terms of seriously mapping out the, the, the marketplace that, you know, and it can be any marketplace about getting, you know, actually being able to say specifically there's 20,421 candidates doing whatever it is, or people doing whatever it is, whether they're actually looking or not, um, is there. And yeah. it didn't even occur to me. Do you know that way that actually you could get in as, as detailed as that? And, and certainly, as you know, that's what we've been, we've been striving 100%. to do. It seems to be working. And I think the thing is, Scott, you know, over probably over 95% of um, recruitment agencies, internal recruitment, et cetera, well, won't have mapped out their industry because we're that, you know, we're all busy in the day-to-day and what we're doing. And, and you know, end of the day, it's quite, it's quite um, you know, if you're having the right tools to be able to do that is a different story and having and putting in the investment to do that. And not everyone, especially, you know, say within internal recruitment, has the opportunity to invest in that and actually make it happen. And, and I think personally, the benefit of knowing your market is the fact is if you if you were sitting the senior leadership team meeting and you're the internal recruiter or, or whoever, and the business leader is asking, you know, for, for, for you to recruit a, a key member of staff who are looking for a chief engineer within a large food business down in the southwest of England. And it say it's within the dairy industry, just for talking's sake. Okay, you know how how powerful would it be if you can say, you know, within um within thirty seconds that you can say within a thirty mile radius of our site there are sixty potential chief engineers, of which ten are specifically within the dairy industry, and I, and you have their names and you're able to contact them on that specific opportunity and look to move. Any anyone interested to an interview within a couple of days? Well, we've seen the results of being able to do that. And I think um, when it actually boils down to the, as I call it, the usual suspects. And what I mean by that is the candidate that is that is um on a date on a database or on a, a, a you know, whether it's a web database or an agency database, you know, you know, that some of them are actually okay, but you, you tend to find that the, the good candidates are probably the ones that are grafting away, you know, that are hard at work and actually, you know, quite enjoy doing the work and are probably not keeping their, their head above the, you know, look, looking in the marketplace. Um, and, and those are the ones that, that tend to do well and actually get looked after by the present employer as well for, yeah, for yeah, obvious exactly. reasons. And Scott, me and you have worked for a, a small number of different agencies and what you tend to find is, uh, you know, it's the same people registered with uh, various different agencies, which is fine, which is good. But what it creates is that just that natural small pool of people that are getting constant phone calls on different roles, which which has got to annoy that specific person. But the companies are getting the same people sent in as well, so it's kind of it's it's a blocker, you know. There's no gain out of that. And and one of the stats I found online actually, it was in the last couple of months. Do you know? So so it's so a big thing for me is as some companies will just put up an advert online and then take the response off that and they might get a real big response of people 
say a hundred people, but literally only a couple are actually of interest. But do you know that from the start online, one in eighteen people, one in eighteen are registered on a job board? Seriously, wow. <laughs> so, so yeah. you, if you're putting up a if you're putting up an advert, you are accessing potentially like this is just you know, you know take it with a pinch of salt. One in eighteen people. So literally, you know, seventeen people out of eighteen, you're not you're, you're not missing. touching, yeah. you're getting access to. So the importance of understanding and having access to your to potentially the full market is that you can, you know, you've got there's more people to contact, you'll have more choice, you'll be able to make hopefully the right selection with the right tools in place, like video interviewing, behavior reports, etc. Which in turn, if you make that right selection, you can grow your business. And in turn as well, you can actually define the culture within your business as well and make sure that that's that's what you you know you desire it to be it allows a client to refine what they're actually looking for because if, if especially with you know we we provide a lot of problems you know we we solve a lot of problems that clients are typically facing um, and one of the what, what tends to come out of that is that they are been told by whoever it happens to be, whether it's their internal team um, or their, you know, their, their HR contact, or maybe a trusted um, recruiter. But the the trusted recruiter maybe does other areas and is maybe not specialising within manufacturing. To say so, they, they wouldn't necessarily have the network that that we, you know that we, we are working on. And I think um, you know having the ability to have you know the, 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 to, to be able to say, look, we know this is the scale of the marketplace. These are specifically the numbers that are in there. And actually, if you're looking for Joe Blogs that that has got you know five years with an X and, and doing something different, you know, from from his career, then the, all these things can be refined down. And actually, I know we've we've had some clients that have been arguably pretty skeptical at the start, but have come through and and, and realised that actually, and and you know, certainly when new sites are built or new business comes along, and they, they actually look forward <laughs> to, to, to actually be part of the process and and, and having that bigger choice, um, which which may not be you know readily available yeah, elsewhere. Exactly. And and you know, I mean one of the biggest frustrations is that people are, you know, you might only have one person that you're taking forward to an interview and your kind of hands are but tied behind the back to make that decision. But if you're able to map out that market and 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 sit down with you know, sit down with a higher manager and say, well, do you want to know what? I could potentially target 400 people. You know, let's fine-tune that, let's look at that, and let's make sure we're making a real direct protocol on the basis of people that we can potentially contact. And then hopefully you'll get to the stage where you've got at least two stroke three people that you would hire any of the three, and uh, and then you're in a position where you're making sure that you're making the right decision. But that all comes back to the numbers, and it's no good having one or two people and then going forward. You know, this has to be numbers. It has to be making sure the right people are interested, putting forward only the right people, you know, and that's all driven by actually uh, mapping out your market. And, and, and I think the key thing is understanding the size of your market, whatever, you know, so if you're a UK-wide business, map out the whole of that sector, if it's fruit and veg, if it's bakery, if it's drinks, if it's, you know, whatever that might be. You know, understand exactly how many people are in that, and then you can work your way to that number. Yeah, and and keep taking account of any regional requirements and so on as well. And I think there's an element of understanding depending on the, I guess, level of role, um, and and actually, you know, key key, I guess, people's circumstances and so on kick in as well. But um, I mean, I, I actually did this today, Terry. I did a, a search on our database for um, 
for uh, casting candidates, and I'm not talking about you doing your your dancing again um, and your musicals that you enjoy watching, but um, we, we're working with a, well, let, let's see, but certainly I did some background to see where, where our presence is within that, and then um, one of the, the key factors I was trying to identify was actually what product and um, launch experience that some of the guys and girls have specifically from a quality perspective and you know there's there's 228 sitting there Is that right? yeah. do you know that way and and that's real yeah and, and that's really without you know get delving into to, to, to getting a better understanding of it so you know these are the things and the tools that that, that we've actually got um already good to yeah, run exactly and, and i'm um, sure i'm sure uh, on the note of um dancing etc i'm sure you've had a lot of a uh, thought whilst um the sound the sound of music whilst you've been rambling <laughs> the hell no I'm not doing it <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what was going through my head that song funnily enough yeah so so I think I think you know in summary if you haven't if you, if you don't know how many people for each role within your manufacturing organisation so that could be anything from general managers to finance directors to HR managers to operations to supply chain procurement to MPD you know any role at all that's that's critical to your business you know you should know how many people are out there in the marketplace and you should have access to them as well because that's the only way that you will get the best people for the, the roles. And, and and that brings us on to what I'll cover next week, Scott. I think it's like what we'll do is the question will be for the recruitment minute, do you have visibility of the entire senior management market? And, how do, and, and, and then more critically, once you have that, how do you then define, well, define and identify who the top 15% are? So it's all good yeah. mapping out and having that sort of contact base where you've got that outreach, where you've got, you know, uh, most of the market, if not 100%. But literally, you know, what you want is the best people within each area. So you want the best 15% in engineering, you want the best within finance. But how do you define that split and how do you define who is, who is the best and who is not? So I think, I think we'll do that next week because that would fall on nicely. Once it starts to get people thinking about actual mapping yeah. out the market, it's, it's all very well. You're right. It's all very well saying, look, I've got you know a hundred candidates or a hundred people that, that we've got access to. Do you know that way? But actually, if they're all not very good, then it's not really push. You know, it's no one's any better off. But yeah, it's, and- it's that in conjunction with you know what, what we'll talk about next week that that actually is um, is, is is the way it works. Exactly. And and when we say not, you know, see at the end of the day, for people to get to that level, they've got to be good at what they do in their job. Okay. Other people will be better, you know, better than others. However, this is probably more situated towards culture fits as well. Some yeah. people will be better fitted within a really dynamic, entrepreneurial, fast-paced environment, whilst others will be more suited to that more blue-chip, corporate, process-driven environment. And it's down to that each individual's personality, you know. So, you know, that I think, yeah, you know, it's identifying the top 15%, but then obviously matching with regards to that specific organisation's current culture and future requirements and strategy yeah culture and also their own you know the, the, not forget the people that are already part of their organization that have maybe come through the ranks as well and making sure they're well placed to to arguably learn from others or maybe complement the, the team and so on as well i think it's it's a bigger picture that that, that you know team teamwork always goes goes further exactly I think. exactly right so I, I think that's us scott anything, anything else you want to add at all I think one of the pieces of feedback I, we had was to keep it clear and concise. So we've probably not done that, but we've certainly made it try to keep it with <laughs> We've certainly tried to keep it a little bit shorter than we rabbited on last week. So let's yeah, try exactly. And the original timeline that we tried to work We did with. say last week that we were going to do the hot topic on our banks. 
oh, yeah, yeah, support yeah. manufacturing growth plans and we were going to look to get someone on we we did reach out and uh, unfortunately you know the, the banks are more than happy to have the conversation but it does take two or three weeks to go through um, the approval so we're planning on doing that in the next couple of episodes Scott is that correct yeah, the, the, to be fair to the banks, and you know, I th- we we probably didn't appreciate the the you know the you know the compliance that we need to make sure we're, we're doing correctly. So that that'll all happen, and and certainly they are keen to talk to the manufacturing community. So don't worry, then. Yeah, exactly. Um, we, yeah. we have a, a representative. I, I think we're used to just how we do how we how we're a small, nimble business, Scott. It just kind of you know we can start a podcast if we want and whatever else, but it's a bit different. Well, when yeah, look, and, and to be fair to the banks, they, they have happily sp- spoken to us, but it, it's just a case of obviously from a publicity, but not publicity, but public perspective, um, obviously need to make sure all the I's are crossed yeah, and, and so on. So, so, yeah, so the good news is we will have someone on who can give us a really good insight into how banks are supporting manufacturing growth plans, and especially as we're going through this really good period within UK manufacturing. And also the, the additional topics we've spoken about in the past with regards to Industry 4.0. And hopefully we can get a really good insight into how a specific banks can support that growth plan going forward. So what, what we'll go through is next week's latest news. Hot topic, Scott. Have we got a hot topic yet? I think we were debating. There was two or three in the background. So I think we'll leave that as a surprise, shall we, for, for next week? Interesting. Okay. We'll leave that as a surprise. And as I said, with regards to the recruitment minute, we'll actually go about how do you identify the top 15% from the market being mapped out to make sure that you get the best caliber for your manufacturing business? As always, if anyone has any questions, any queries, just drop us an email. It's terry at bonfirerecruitment.com or scott at bonfirerecruitment.com. Um, we appreciate you listening to this podcast number five and we hopefully you will join us for podcast number six next week. Thanks for listening to the Manufacturing Ignition podcast. If you've made it this far, we take it that you enjoyed the show. In return, we'd love it if you'd leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Subscribe while you're there and we'll catch you for the next episode.